45 seconds. How'd you do? Anybody getting antsy? He usually talks now. That was the sound of silence. Something in our culture that we're not uh, super used to. Uh, when I find myself in those moments where things get quiet, like awkwardly quiet, I grab cell phones, like many of you might have. See what I can preoccupy myself with there. Uh, I turn on radios as I drive to my next destination. I, I, uh, I try to fill the void. And yet all throughout God's scriptures, there's this call to silence. Be still, he says, and know that I am God. We're going to start a new series today, a series about being quiet, uh, about not just being quiet, but, but about being wise when we communicate, about saying the right things at the right times. Saying just enough and being better as listeners. See, because we live in a noisy world, awash with communication. We've gotten very sophisticated in how we create our noise. It used to be hundreds of thousands of years ago that if you wanted to communicate with someone, you had to go to them, or at least being like with earshot, within earshot, right? Like, like to be able to yell across the valley. But we figured out ways that we could bypass that. You know, uh, early cultures figured out how to send smoke into the air and signal what was happening through that. Torches were lit on mountains. Uh, we, we figured out how to tape messages to the, the, the feet of birds and send them flying across a, a space and a spanse. Uh, after a while, we figured out mail and how to carry mail from one place to another and people got really good at writing letters. But about 200 years ago, uh, things changed with the advent of electricity. This guy Robert Morse uh, and others in the 1830s uh, figured out this thing called the telegraph and now we could send messages instantly. We didn't have to wait uh, for horses to bring them to the places they needed to be. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell gave us the telephone in 1876. Marconi gave us the radio in 1895. I don't know who did the TV, but that was 1926. And then Al Gore gave us the internet in 1983. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's true. It's probably misinformation. Anyway. In 2007, uh, Steve Jobs, in one of his crowning moments as a, an inventor, uh, was over a, a team that developed for us the iPhone. Anybody got one? There's uh, billions of them in circulation now. And whether you're uh, an iOS user or a Samsung guy or whatever, it, uh, we all have more computing powers in our pockets right now than NASA had when they started. And we use this, all of these advances, to communicate. In 2016, a, a survey was taken by a company that was involved with texting, and they figured out that the average American texts 32 times a day. The average 18-year-old to 24-year-old American in 2016 texted 130 times a day, <laughs> leading to many high per text phone bills. We're not even talking about social media, right? Because all of us are pretty much on that if the statistics tell us uh, things correctly. 79% of Americans have a Facebook account. Uh, uh, we love to post. Some of you are posting right now. I get out of church sometimes and there's pictures uh, of what happened in this room already out there. 
500 million tweets will go out today in America. There's only 330 million of us. We love to communicate. And there's lots of ways that we can. And there's lots of noise as a result. Misinformation. It's getting kind of crazy out there. Is anybody with me on that? So we want to take the next three weeks and talk about how we can communicate God's way in a world that doesn't. Because see, for all of our communication advances, uh, you might think that we'd get better at positively communicating. I don't think that's the case. I think we've only created more ways to communicate poorly with each other. Emboldened by keyboards, we don't even have to like say anything anymore. We can just hide behind our texting or our keyboards. Emboldened by keyboards, we say stuff to people online that we would never say to their face. Kids are bullied to the point of suicide through social media. Trolls unleash their negativity on every post. I think we've, uh, as a culture, lost our ability to agree to disagree with any kind of civility. We just want to yell over the top of each other, point fingers and scold. Entire cable news networks have been dedicated to the same on both sides. Even in our close interpersonal relationships, uh, our advances and our sophistication in communication have just served to kind of make things, in lots of instances, worse. Like instead of husbands and wives actually trying to sort out their things face-to-face, maybe in the presence of a counselor or a pastor or someone who can help them, they take to texting. Yeah, let's sort out our deep marital problems with 240 characters. That'll work. If you're struggling right now in your relationships, put your phones down. Have a conversation. There's way too many ways for us to mess things up in our sophisticated world of communication. See, uh, these next three weeks are dedicated to us getting back to the way God intended us to communicate. That means more listening and less talking. That means more kindness and carefulness and less anger and carelessness. It means more of making the most of what we say for the sake of God and his kingdom moving forward through us. We all need to learn to communicate God's way in this world that does not. So let's answer that question today. We're gonna talk about fast ears and slow mouths today, and we're gonna try to answer this question. How does one communicate God's way? Well, we'll start at the beginning. Have fast ears and a slow mouth. It'll show up right here, yeah. If you're reading your uh, Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be studying it together. Just three verses today. James chapter 1, uh, verses 19, 20, and 21. Uh, I get the whole fast ears and slow mouth thing from this very first sentence that James utters in this, um, this little dealing that he does with, with communication. James, if you ever read the book of James, it's kind of just um, you know, staccato. It's just um, quick bursts of thought and wisdom, and he... he quickly goes from one to the other. Here in, in James chapter one, and a little bit later in James chapter three, we'll talk about that next week, he, he covers communication. And he speaks uh, in these verses this way. He says in verse 19, know this, it's an imperatible uh, statement there, it's a command. Listen up, pay attention. Know this, my beloved brothers. He says, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, 
and slow to anger. From time to time, uh, we learn verses, and today we're going to learn this one. Everybody stand up real quick. Here we go. I want you to learn this so that when you're in, in traffic, <laughs> you can quote this as you're driving home today, so that when you're in your homes, you, you can use this. Everybody ready? It's just the, just the one phrase, but you've got to do it this way. Everybody, get, everybody ready? We've got to be quick to listen. All right, you weren't ready, so here we go. Ready? You've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You like it? I do too. One more time, ready? We've got to be quick to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Have a seat. Good job. Wouldn't that be awesome if you're, uh, you know, hanging out at dinner, uh, you know, some night this week and, and your spouse is kind of ticking you off and you just do this? Yeah. It would send a message, right? Couldn't be any worse, probably, than what's about to happen. I hope you remember this. this uh, in fact, James hoped that his readers would remember this because he's probably quoting uh, a Hebrew proverb, a common saying. It's actually formed in a proverbial uh, way uh, that would uh, be accustomed in the Jewish faith, and he's just appropriating it now in his letter uh, to his beloved brothers. He's saying, listen, man, be quick to hear and be slow to speak. It's not unlike the other proverbs that uh, we have from the book of Proverbs uh, that the Hebrews or the Jews of the day would have known. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 20 says, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? Anybody see a quick talker and a slow listener? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Okay, just so we're kind of on the spectrum here. Wisdom, righteousness, that's on this end. In Proverbs, folly and foolishness is on this end. And what did Solomon just say? Hey, there's fools and then there's people who don't think before they speak. There's more hope for this dodo than for this guy. Jesus was clear in his communication about communication. He says this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Who wants to skip that film session? Anybody? He goes on and he says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. It's a fascinating piece of truth there. It's true, by our words, if we say them correctly and use them well, uh, we are justified, we are righteous, we are um, seen as godlike when we use our communication to honor him and to emulate him, Right? I mean, think about it. If you're saved in here, and just let me peel back the cor uh, curtain on this whole church thing, if you're kind of new, um, we're not in here just teaching wisdom and the Bible. We're here because God made us for him. We sinned and separated ourselves from him. There's nothing that you and I can do to overcome our sin and bring us back into right relationship with God. And so God made a way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and to uh, become a sacrifice, to take the punishment for us so that our sins could be forgiven and in our faith in him and what he has done. Because see, the Christian faith is not a doing faith, it's a done faith. 
We don't believe that we have to do a bunch of things for God to love us. He already does, and because he does, he has sent his son, Jesus, who has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Is everybody with me? That's our gospel. And so by faith, it tells us in Roman, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and we confess him, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, we confess him with our mouths, we will be saved. Isn't that great? With our mouths, we can be justified by faith. With our mouths, we can honor God. It's going to tell us that in chapter 3. Come back next week, we're going to cover that. With our mouths, we can glorify God and, and love and honor mankind. But the inverse and the opposite is true. With our mouths, we can dishonor God. And we can destroy, it tells us in James 3, the world that we live in. Our words matter. Jesus is, in essence, singing that song that I sang grew up in, in, in uh, Sunday school. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Right? Because the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. James is doing this because he's writing to an audience that desperately needs this. Uh, James was the pastor of the first church, like not the first church of any certain town, like the first church. He was the bishop of Jerusalem. And around Acts chapter 8, it tells us in the history of the church that things started kind of going off crazy in Jerusalem uh, around that time. Uh, Stephen, uh, who was one of the, the deacons of the church in Jerusalem, was martyred. He was killed for his faith in the Romans. And this guy Saul, heard of him? Uh, they, they all take to persecuting the church because they see it as this aberrant um, apostasy of the Jewish faith. So Jewish Christians left Jerusalem in droves, which is all part of God's plan to kind of um, be a, uh, sending people to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the utmost parts of the earth. That's kind of how he got it done. Uh, God's smart like that. Uh, but these Jewish Christians left, and so uh, James would write them or did write them with this one letter and just to encourage them. To the 12 tribes, he says in chapter 1, verse 1, as he addresses his listeners, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Now here's what was happening in those churches that these Jewish friends of his were landing in. There was Gentiles there, and there was the inherent differences that would come between Jewish and Gentile relationships. There was people there. Just by the sheer fact that you bring a bunch of people together, there is a potential for communication to go awry. Does everybody agree with me? Throw into the mix some superiority complexes. The rich were being favored by those who wanted to be like them, it tells us in chapter 2. Uh, others were being, um, you know, just kind of shoved off to the side, and, and people weren't keeping the grand commandment of loving their neighbors, it tells us in chapter 2. There was all, it was people. There was all kinds of potential for people to get angry and to speak without thinking and to stop listening. And so James says, know this. You've got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's take each one of those as they come. First step is to hurry up and listen. In my life, way too many of my conflicts erupt because I just don't listen. I uh, stop halfway and I, I respond based on my misconceptions or the misinformation that I'm uh, operating with or, or misinterpreting what the person that's speaking to me is saying. Uh, there's a problem when we assume. Everybody know that saying? Good, I don't have to say it. When we assume we understand 
uh, we operate from that assumption and things don't go well. I remember growing up, going to kindergarten, uh, my teacher was Mrs. Coyle. Mrs. Coyle used to stand in this room full of five-year-olds as they were all yelling and screaming and wanting her attention and she would say, oh, no, 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 class, class, class. How many ears do you have? And we'd all say in unison, how many mouths? Okay, let's do twice as much listening as we do talking. Now raise your hands. I don't know if she was Jewish, but uh, she might have uh, got her information from this rabbinical teaching of old. A rabbi once wrote this. He says, men have two ears but one tongue, that they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open. Get this. I thought this was profound. The ears are always open, ever ready to receive instruction. But the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and to keep it within proper bounds. I never thought of it that way, but that's totally true, isn't it? There's no cover on these. They're always open. Like, we are always ready to hear. But isn't God in his infinite wisdom wise to make sure that whatever would communicate out of us had a lid? We can do this. We call it biting our tongue so that we might keep whatever would <laughs> destroy from flying out of our face. See, I don't know about you, but I find it's very hard to listen when my mouth is moving. So being quick to listen will automatically mean that we are slow to speak. We can't do both at the same time. How about this? Instead of jumping off on the misinformation and the half-listening that we also, almost too often do, how about we, we instead humbly listen to the people that we're in conversation with, to the piece, people that we're in conflict with? How about we, we humbly and, and, and intentionally listen, ask clarifying questions? When I heard you say this, what I thought you meant was this. Is that what you meant? And let them clarify for us what they're saying. How about, how about instead of being impatient, come on, hurry up. How about we just go slow? This is especially uh, vital for parents, especially of adolescents, because your kids are going through this incredible change and there's lots of things going on in their hearts and in their hormones and in their uh, chemistry and, and, and they're still kids in some regards, but you expect them to speak to you like an adult, to be able to form their opinions and explain how they feel. Give them time, be patient. Give them grace. Obviously, if our ears are engaged, our mouths should not be. We need to slow down when it comes to the speaking part of communication. I am so prone to this. Is anybody else with me? Uh, my mouth is moving before my brain has engaged. I've stood on this stage and I've said things uh, because I'm trying to hurry up and finish uh, that my, my, my brain didn't want me to say, but because I mispronounced a word or whatever, I've said them, and, and you, many of you, have come up to me and after said, did you know that you said this? <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought I did, but I was hoping you wouldn't catch it. <laughs> but that's what happens. Hurry up and communicate is almost always a formula for things going awry. We need to measure our words to people. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Say things with grace. When it talks about being quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to speak means you, you pause. You, 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 you pray before you say, even if you want to put it that way. You let God come into your communication. And 
almost always your communication is going to be best heard if you sandwich it in grace. So even if you have something that's like a confrontational or something that's going to be hard for the listener to hear, say it with love. Say it with grace. Start with kindness and, 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 and set things up. That's the first piece of bread. Say what needs to be said. Don't, don't hedge. That's another sermon for another day. But speak clearly. Speak the truth in love, right? But then finish with grace. People are so much more apt to hear you if they know they, that you love them and that you're for them and not against them. But instead, we, we go for the jugular. We go for the anger and the, the vitriol that is so often a, a part of our communication. We need to be careful not just to measure our words to people, but to measure our words about people, like when they're not around. Be careful what you say about people who aren't in your presence. The Bible calls it gossip and slander, and it's so insidious. It can come up in the form of prayer requests at Life Group. You gotta be careful with the things that you say about people. A couple questions you can ask before you talk about someone. Could the sharing of this information have a harming effect on the person I'm about to talk about? Like, is it possible that the things that I'm about to share could get in the minds of those that I'm sharing it with, and then as they pass it on and pass it on, this could become harmful to the person that I'm speaking about? If so, don't say it. Here's a tougher one. Is there any possibility that my motivation for sharing this for, uh, information is anything less than pure? That's a tough one. Because you gotta kind of be honest with yourself. I mean, am I really sharing this for the betterment of this person so that we can pray for them? Or am I sharing this so that I can feel a little bit better about myself? I'm not as screwed, as up, screwed up as they are. If that's the case, keep it in. I, I just have as a general rule, uh, don't talk. Eleanor gets frustrated with me from time to time like that, but uh, uh, I just, if it's, if I'm not sure, if it's not something that I think is, is, a, is appropriate for me to say, I'm just not gonna talk about it. There, there's been times where I'll, I'll come home from work, I'll have met with some of you and gone into some of the stuff uh, you know, of, of people's lives and she'll ask me about my day and I'll say that I counseled some folks and she'll ask me who it was and I'll say, well, sorry honey, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm supposed to talk about that. It's not because I don't trust you, it's just I don't wanna talk about it. And so those people will come up to Eleanor after that's happened and be like, well, I know pastor told you all this stuff and she'll be like, no, he didn't tell me at all. Because put it this way. Kent Hughes, a guy who writes a lot of the books that I read, he, he says this, and I think it's so true. I've never had to regret or say sorry for something I didn't say. So be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Have fast ears and a slow mouth. Now at the end of verse 19 there, James goes on and he says, uh, be slow to anger. Let's read it together. We need to calm down. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Everybody agree the world would be a better place if people would just calm down? Yeah, just calm down. Take a chill pill. Easy. Right? But here's what happens. Communication... It's kind of like these two rails, all right? On the one side uh, is the whole being quick to listen and, and slow to speak thing. That's what we're supposed to do. And if we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we are going to do better at not becoming angry. But here's what most of the world says. Be slow to listen. Be quick to speak. 
and then anger is the result. Vice versa. If I'm angry, guess what happens? I become slow to listen and quick to speak. Have you noticed this? I mean, I remember this. I don't have to try to remember this. This is, you know, a part of my everyday battle, right? As a younger man playing basketball, I would get angry about a call and my ears would go plugged and my mouth would start moving. Last week, I came home from the vacation that I was a part of, thanks to Scott and Travis for doing such a great job. Uh, but I came home and uh, uh, I was uh, only home for about an hour. I had spent a week in Canada, which is a very polite country, just so you know. Very quiet, very polite. Uh, they say sorry if you, you know, bump into them. And uh, I came out of this you know, tranquil setting and I, I went to the Walmart on Causeway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to tell a story, you, right? Because <laughs> I'm just pushing my cart uh, from my truck and, and do that, by the way. If you stop somewhere and there's a cart that's just sitting there, just take it up with you. You're going up there anyway. But I'm pushing a cart and I'm just pushing it up to Walmart and, and there's this, you know, they've got the striped yellow lines. I mean, it's like 15, 20 feet wide where you're supposed to walk. I walked to the crosswalk and then started to proceed across the drive, uh, you know, the drive there. And this guy coming wasn't paying attention, didn't see me. He wasn't, you know, going 70 miles an hour. He didn't lock up the brakes, but he was, I mean, it was, it was like we were going to hit until he decelerated and it kind of startled me. I, you know, most people slow down before the yellow stripes. He was just right on the edge. And so I do, I did what Americans do. I, I duded him. It's like, dude, right? I mean, <laughs> but I didn't know his window was down. <laughs> and so he heard my dude, right? And he did not dude me back. He said a lot of things that would get me fired if I repeated them here. And there, and, and there we were, startled, communication, anger, both sides, one speaking, the other making it worse, right? And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a cream puff. I'm, I'm, I got, my blood runs hot. And so uh, there might have been a time in my life where I would have taken that cart and, you know, met his truck with it, Right? But by the grace of God, the lid worked. And I just kept going on to get my groceries. But that, you know, it's just, man, I mean, think about it. If you are in a conversation with someone that you love and, and the communication is going poorly, how many fights have you gotten into where as you dissected after the fact, it was over nothing? I mean, you just weren't even really conflicting over really anything. It's just some words were said, some words were misconstrued, and what was going to be a great date night became, you know, the two of you watching your shows on different televisions. <laughs> Why? Because you weren't careful. You didn't listen. And anger was the result. You see how it goes back and forth? I get mad, and my ears turn off. Like, uh, I, I read this quote this week, never our ears more firmly closed than when anger takes over. It's like anger comes with a set of earmuffs. And when we get mad, we can't hear what the other person's saying. In fact, if we are listening, it's not so that we could understand, it's so that we could reload. Right? You say some stuff now so that I can use it against you in my next volley. Hmm. This isn't how God designed us to work. He tells us in those verses of James chapter 1, 19 and 20, he, he tells us to be slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Now, in other parts of Scripture, uh, we understand uh, from those writings that anger is okay. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 that we should be angry and not sin. Okay, so anger is okay. Righteous anger is fine. But don't be angry and sin. And I would, I don't know what the pie chart would indicate in your life, but in mine, most of my anger is sinful anger. It's not righteous anger. It's self-righteous anger. It's interested in only defending me and my position. See, I have a God complex, so do you. You think you're right. Even when you're wrong, you'll think you're right. You think you're omniscient. And you know more than the person that you're talking to. And so rather than listening to them on occasion and hearing from them where you might be wrong, you just turn up the volume. You shut off your ears. And you get angry and you divide. But it's not righteous anger. It's the anger of man. It's self-righteous anger. And it disappoints God and destroys relationships. Instead, we should be, everybody with me? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, as we finish up, let's read one more verse from James. We'll learn from the verse that we're about to read that we need to tune into and tune or turn up, excuse me, the word of God. How do we keep from being slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry? We we got to focus in on uh, a a different noise, a different message in the world that we live in. Because we can give our attention either to the the world's way of communication and to what the world is saying to us about communication, or we can tune ourselves into what God's wisdom would tell us in this area. We need to tune into and turn up the words of God. It says in James 1.21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. As he wraps up his conversation on conversations, James says, hey man, put away. It's this word that was actually used in the garment district. It means to disrobe. You know, unclothe yourself from the unrighteousness, the filthiness, and the rampant wickedness, which is the world's method of communication. Get out of it. Get far from it. And instead, receive with meekness. So humble yourselves. Humbly receive, what's he say? The implanted word. He goes to the farm. He talks about this word that has been dropped into us like a seed. He says, nurture it. Let it grow. Here's the good news about your faith. If you have faith in Jesus Christ right now, the download is complete. Everything that you need to honor God is on board right now. The Holy Spirit has indwelt you, right? You don't have to go looking for it. You just have to access it and actuate it in your life. But what does that take? It takes nurturing and, 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 and pouring your attention and and, and drawing out from yourself the things that God has put inside of you. You and I know how to communicate. We know what's right. It's a part of us. But we just need to pay attention to it. You know, I think sometimes in the Christ life, we're, we're just uh, uh, unwilling to hear the voice of God as he leads us into the right things for life. He, it's almost like there's, you know, I remember going to the car stereo store. I haven't been to one in a long time. But does anybody remember going to like Best Buy's car stereo section? 
right? And, and everybody would be wanting to figure out how loud is this one? How loud is this one? Well, there'd be like five or six stereos all on different stations trying to outnoise the others. Anybody been in that room? It's just cacophony, right? And that's, that's what it is to do the Christ life in a broken world. Just a lot of noise. And what needs to happen is we need to tune out the stuff that isn't God and tune in the stuff that is. I still listen to the radio. I drive around town. I have this one station. It's a sports station that I listen to. And uh, in certain pockets of Brandon, the signal gets lost. It's just... <laughs> you ever been on a long drive and you're rocking out to the 80s and all of a sudden you're getting too far from the station, right? Too far from the, from the tower and all, you know, you don't have any. It's like, oh! And so I'll be driving around Brandon some days and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be listening to, you know, the important, uh, you know, discussions on NBA free agency and all of a sudden... <laughs> Dead zone. Can't hear it. I'm so grateful to be able to turn from that stoplight and get back into a place. Here's my hope then with this series is that if in your communication you've got some blind spots, some dead zones, in some relationships if it's all static and you can't hear the implanted word of God on how you should be communicating with your spouse, with your kid, with your coworker, whoever it is, here's my prayer. My prayer is that God builds the strength of the signal in your life, that you'll take seriously his command to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, that you'll practice communicating with grace as God would have you communicate. Hmm. God wants so much more for us and from us. He wants us to listen to him. To not be so quick to tell him how to do his job. To not become angry with him when things don't go like we thought. And he wants us to be quick to listen to each other. To be slow to speak and careful with our words. And to keep anger from destroying our relationships. If you have any questions about this, let me read you one more verse and then we'll sing. In James chapter one, verse 26, he's kinda filling out his thoughts here. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious, if anyone thinks that he's really following God and does not bridle his tongue, but instead deceives his own heart, convinces himself that he can talk like the world says and communicate as the world communicates, then this person's religion is Worthless. When it says worthless there, it's not doing you any good. Your faith's not doing any good if you're unwilling to submit your ears and your tongue and your communication to the ways that God would have you do them. May God help us. Let's stand and sing. Yeah.
Father, you know my prayer for my own life is that I would be constantly uh, submitted to you, that I would fall down, I would give you the credit for everything in my life, that I would be um, amazed by your grace and your mercy and your love, that I would say that you're holy uh, and that you would make me holy. I, I, I pray that for everybody in this room, that we'd be submitted to you in every area of our life, that you'd make us holy like you are, and especially in this area of our communication. Help us if we've been doing it wrong uh, and been making a mess uh, to submit ourselves to your way of communicating. If there's apologies that need to be made after uh, a hard weekend together, uh, I pray that those get made in the cars on the way home. Uh, if there's commitments that need to be made to do it better, I pray that those get made in the cars on the way home. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, take us from here. Help us not just to be hearers of your word. That's what the, uh, the verses that we skipped in James tell us to do. Help us not just to be hearers, but to be doers. And I pray this because of your son and by his grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless you as you go. Speak well this week. We'll talk to you next time.